You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness today. I am sitting down with Linda Stevens. Linda's primary focus is working with midlife women over 40, 50 and beyond to help them achieve confidence, exude sexiness and feel comfortable in their own skin again. Her motto is midlife should be the bridge to your new life. I love that. Linda has developed a comprehensive six week program taught virtually to women around the globe called Midlife Mastery. Linda guides women by educating them on how their bodies change in midlife. Women involved in the program learn cutting edge science-backed data for hormone balance, longevity, mood, libido. We all want that. And weight loss. People want that too. (laughs) Linda holds her master's degree in nutrition, competed as an IFBB figure pro and is an NASM certified personal trainer. Linda has written for Live Strong, Darien Magazine, Oxygen Magazine, Muscle and Fitness, Hers, contributed to Strong Magazine and her own, she has her own health and wellness channel on plus.muscleandfitness.com. She is a midlife woman herself, a mom of two children, 19 and 21, and she lives far, far away from Texas in Connecticut. And so Linda, welcome to the show. So glad to have you on. Thank you, Erin. I am too. And I saw your podcast with my friend, Dr. Silverman. So yeah. Oh, that was a fun one. We had a lot of fun. I think this is going to be good too. And I think, you know, a lot of my listeners do have the question, what can I be doing in my thirties to prepare for what's coming now? I know for, for me, when I was in my twenties, I didn't care so much. Right. But once you get into your thirties and then you notice, you know, maybe women are having babies and bodies are changing, realizing, Oh, this is going to be the rest of my life, body changing and things happening and hormones fluctuating. What can we do to prepare? So tell me why you have gotten focused in in this Avenue. I, I have my focus in this is because I want women to feel great as they age and being a 55 year old woman myself, it's important because there's, we go through so many changes and, and sometimes you know, we're not thinking about like, I've talked to younger women, like 30 somethings. And, you know, they sometimes are like, I don't even want to think about that. Perimenopause, <laughs> menopause, that's so far off. And I, you know, I don't even remember thinking about it when I was in my thirties, I had two little kids, you know, and my world was that, you know, you know how it is. They get up and from the minute they're up, it's all about them. You really don't think about yourself much except for when they go to bed and you're like, oh my God, I need to go to bed. And it just starts, you know, and and you're so involved in them that I don't think you realize about yourself until they start to maybe go to high school. They're starting to look at colleges and then you start to look at yourself and say, okay, you know, who am I? I know what I've been for these last 18 years or 19 years but who am I now? And why do I feel this way? I never felt, you know, tired or my libido, you don't want to have sex anymore. Maybe it's painful. You know, you're not sleeping great. You just feel achy. You have anxiety that you never had before. I know I can speak for myself. I never had anxiety probably until the last couple of years. And sometimes situations will happen. And I'm like, I'm like, this must be anxiety. You know, I never had it before. And you feel that, that angst that you get. And there are so many symptoms that we go through in midlife, but you don't really think about it. I, and even in my early forties, I never really thought much about it, but I really wish 
that there was someone that would have said to me, Hey, go do your hormones, get your, get a baseline hormone, um, hormone panel, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, check a full thyroid and other things, you know, inflammatory markers. And, and maybe they didn't know that much back then, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, but it's really important because then you can see where you're at. Like, Hey, what's, I feel great. I'm 42. I feel good. So where are my hormones at? Oh, here are your levels. All right. So you want to aim to keep your levels there so that as you go through your, your late forties and you enter your fifties, and then you start to go, you're in perimenopause, you start, you know, you may be able to avoid some of these symptoms, night sweats, hot flashes, just those kind of things as you go through, as you go through menopause so that you feel good and, and we should. And I think it's amazing to me, Erin, how many mainstream MDs and no, you know, not placing shade on doctors because they're very important, but many of them from what my clients tell me, and even one of my own healthcare providers that I, that I've talked to are really not supportive of testing hormones. They'll say, you don't need to do it. It's not necessary. Oh, you are menopausal. So yeah, your hormones are going to be low. So we don't need to check them, but it's like, wait, just because that's a thing doesn't mean that you have to accept that. Like you can do things because there's so many health things that happen to us as we get 60, 70, 80 bone loss, cardiovascular disease, you know, cognitive health. Those are three big things that really affect how we, how we age. Yeah. And they, they're all connected too. And, yeah. and that's, so you touch on something. I think this is important for people to hear to get the labs, have the data, because then you can know, like when you're starting to feel off and maybe it's, mm -hmm. you're increasingly feeling more off, you'll right. be able to look back and go, okay, well, you know, two years ago, my numbers were here and now my numbers are here. I mean, labs don't lie. Labs tell a story. So I think that that's really helpful. It's, it's really helpful. And I follow, I've listened, I've met Sarah, Dr. Sarah Gottfried several times. I don't know if you know who she is or not, but I've listened to her lecture several times. I've talked to her in person one-on-one. -on -one. I have all her books. I follow her on social media. She's such a beacon for women. Mm -hmm, she, and she gave a lecture one time and I actually stumbled across the clip the other day that I had videoed, but she talked about how a woman can be in this midlife space, right? 40, I say 40, 50 and beyond, because it sort of encompasses all of us. But like you may say, oh, my lower back's bothering me. So maybe you go to a, an orthopedist and he puts you on an anti-inflammatory, but then something else is bothering you. Or maybe your metabolism is slow. You're putting on weight, you don't understand why. And, and you go somewhere else and they give you something else. Or And she said, you know, what's the problem with modern medicine is that we don't treat the woman as a whole. We just treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So then you're taking a whole bunch of different medications when really it could just be, you know, maybe your sleep is crappy because your progesterone is low, which is my issue right now, <laughs> you know, but there, maybe they, they put you on some other pharmaceutical to sleep, but you're not really taking care of the problem. Like, Hey, your hormones are off. And if we, if we level you out, you may see some of these things sort of slowly go away over time. So that's, you know, that's a really big thing is that I think as women, we just think, oh, I need to go to this doctor or that doctor or that doctor, because I'm having this problem or that problem, or, you know, my gut is upset. So maybe you need, you know, a, like a Prilosec if they still make that or some sort of mm -hmm. medicine of that nature, when maybe you really don't, it's just other things going on. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're sharing how many of these symptoms can be contributing mm -hmm. because 
you know, and it's one of those things where like, okay, so zero to 40, right? Zero to 38, whenever the, these symptoms start for women, that's first half of your life. Well, you know, assuming you're going to live 30, 40 more years, that could be 30, 40 more years of thriving or surviving. Right. And so these symptoms are clues that your body is giving you and it's, it's time to tune in. And so I, you make some very, very important points on checking in as things are changing. That is your body telling you a story. Absolutely. And you know, my mom, she's almost 80, but she suffers from really bad osteoarthritis, osteoporosis. And I can't help but wonder, you know, back in her time when she was around during the women's health initiative, when they were using Premarin and other things, Mm -hmm. and then they yanked everybody off it because they thought it caused cancer, but that's all since been debunked with, you know, Mm -hmm. lots of new science and information. But I can't help but wonder if she had been using some estrogen, some hormone replacement therapy, it might've helped, you know, her not have such severe bone density issues. Yeah. You know, because she'll say to me, you know, sometimes like, just be careful, make sure you're, you know, eating enough calcium or doing this or doing that. And, and, and all those things are super important. But I mean, if your estrogen's really low, it's really going to affect how your body absorbs the calcium supplements that you're taking, or if you're getting the maximum benefit from your strength training, or, you know, the nutritional foods that you're eating. So it's, it's so important. And so many women don't realize it. When I talk to them, like, Oh, I never, no one ever asked me to check my hormones. Like no doctor never even brought it up. Not even my female OBGYN brought it up. And, um, you know, I said, well, let's, let's ask her to do it. And some doctors are, are cool with it. And then some are like, nah, you don't need to do it. And then Mm -hmm. I have a way for them to be able to, to grab, to buy a script and they can go to a lab and have their, their blood drawn. And then we can look at it and, because it is, I'm, I'm just, it's really a hot button for me. I'm really passionate about it mm-hmm. because I'm going through it myself mm-hmm. and I will, I am going to use bioidenticals because I know, like you said, being 55, you know, I'd like to live a long time. I don't know how, I don't know, 95, hundred, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I know I want to move and I don't want to be on a walker and I don't want to, I still want to have all my cognitive abilities and be able to be with maybe grandkids or still be doing this kind of stuff. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, one of the complaints that I hear the most, because of course, you know, we can talk about, and I'd love to get into the mental health concerns that happen around this time as hormones are fluctuating, but like you said, like gut issues and all sorts of things. But the one, the one complaint that I hear the most is weight gain. What is going on there? I mean, it do, does everybody have to gain an average of 20 pounds in menopause? Like they say, it is something like 10 to 15 pounds or something like that. It really is. And, and I, but I believe that we can, we can avoid that if we're doing, I was listening to and I think you may, I don't know if you have interviewed her or not. The doctor that made the Galveston diet. The yeah, Galveston Dr. Diet Haver. Uh-huh. Yes. So I have her book. I've listened to some podcasts with her. I think mm-hmm. she's pretty awesome. And I think it was either her or another doctor she was on a podcast with said, the way that you arrive to perimenopause is how you're going to go through it. And I don't know if you've heard <laughs> her say that or not, but I love that. It really resonated with me and I kind of stole it a little bit, but I'll give her the, she definitely always gets the credit when I use it, but 
It's true. Like if you arrive to perimenopause in, in good shape, you have a, a good strength training exercise, cardiovascular routine, you know, you're eating well, taking care of yourself. You're going to have an easier time going through it. But if you arrive to perimenopause, you know, not in shape, you're more sedentary, maybe you're drinking too much wine at night or on the weekends, too much alcohol, and you're just eating a lot of processed foods or you're skipping meals and then you kind of overeat because you're so, you're so hungry, you're going to have a harder time going through perimenopause because you probably have excess body fat and our ovaries make our hormones. And as our ovaries start to, the factory starts to slow down, fat cells will kick off estrogen. So the more fat cells you have, your body will make more fat cells because your body's trying to make estrogen in any way, shape or form that it can make it. Mm -hmm. And then that can become a problem too. So, you know, coupling decent eating with movement makes a big, big difference in how you're going to go through it, what your body's going to look like. And, and just overall taking care of yourself. Enough protein is the key because protein and so many women don't eat enough protein. Right. You know, I, I always hear when I say, tell me what breakfast is like. Well, sometimes I have an egg. I'm like, oh, one egg. One, <laughs> I'm like, you do realize that one egg is like six grams of protein and you probably need about 30 at a serving. And people are like 30, you know, their eyes mm -hmm. pop. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, pr pretty much at every meal, you should probably aim for 25 to 30 grams of protein. Mm -hmm. It's important for your skin, every cell in your body, like everything. It's it's just the lifeblood. So it's there's so many things that women in this in our in this demographic don't understand. And it's I feel like it's my job and other people out there like Dr. Gottfried and Dr. Haber and to spread the word so that people get get the clue and and start changing things. Yeah, I am so glad that you mentioned protein because <laughs> I feel like I am like constantly on replay talking about protein with women because we don't gravitate towards it. And I don't, you know, not to be sexist, but it seems like men gravitate towards it more easily. Uh, my husband could be carnivore all day, every day. He loves it. I just don't have the taste for it. And I've kind of had to train myself to make sure that I'm eating enough. And when I do, I feel amazing. If I can hit like 80 grams of protein by one o'clock, I have so much energy the rest of the day. And I don't think a lot of women realize that when they're pulling up to the Starbucks line at 2 PM, you know, right. They're getting something with a lot of sugar in it. And that's what happens too. When I, so in my business, I do a bunch of different things. I do one. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching where I work with someone one-on-one -on -one. we change, we, you know, we change their diet. We change their exercise program. They check in, they're accountable, all that. I, I run a program called midlife mastery, which is a six week course that I do over zoom and I talk in different segments about how we should be living, like nutrition, supplements, strength training, libido. I talk about endocrine disruptors, all those things that, have, that just affect us as we get older that can mess up our hormone balance. But the protein is people at that three, four o'clock hour is that witching hour when people are going for the sugary something or the caffeine or the chocolate or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And when I get someone that adheres to the program that I give them and they're eating, I usually have them eating four times a day and they're getting enough protein at each serving. They'll say to me, well, I just don't have sugar cravings anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm like, funny how that is, right? You start giving your body the nutrients that it needs in the right amounts consistently, keeping your blood sugar consistent. All of a sudden now you're not going, 
oh, I really want to have a Krispy Kreme at three o'clock with a sugary coffee, you know, like they're like, I don't really crave it. I went to a party and there was a dessert table and I just kind of walked away from it. So it's, I'm like, yes, you've got, you've got to give your body the right fuel and then it'll pay you back in dividends. Yeah. Yeah, it will. I can attest to that myself. And I I've seen that with a lot of people and it works for kids too. Kids need the protein also. I mean, everybody, we all need more protein. I think for a long time, because we were told that fat is bad, that started to right. trickle down even into protein. And now we're being told that animal protein is bad. So, you know, so it's just, there's a lot of noise out there and think about what our ancestors survived on that, that kind of helps give an indicator of what we should be eating. Oh, so, totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's unfortunate they they throw shade on, on, you know, red meat, Mm-hmm. because you know if you listen to like the dr mark hyman's or you know some of the other nutrition gurus doctors that are out there and it's really the quality like you've got to buy grass-fed mm-hmm. grass-fed pasture-raised eggs chickens grass-fed beef you know, in other types people are eating elk and bison and other types of meats now too that are more that are farm raised responsibly because those meats tend to be leaner they're less fatty so, you know, factory meat, chicken, things like that. They're just doing, I listened to something yesterday on Instagram where they said they bleach chicken. Any oh. pretty much, any, if you don't buy like organic free range chicken, any other chicken that you buy in the store goes through some kind of a bleaching process. I believe it. I never heard that one. I'm like, geez. And then one of my, one of my clients sent me a message and said, and said, you know, what, can we not eat anything anymore? And I'm like, no, we can't. It's just, it's gotta be the right, it's gotta be the right organic. Everything's gotta be farm raised now, which is kind of funny. I always say we have to pay a premium for animals that eat farm, that eat grass and are free range when that's what they did way back when, right? In the caveman days, or even in like Little House in the Prairie days, animals were just eating grass and walking around and it was the way it was. And now- it's cheaper to buy something that's genetically modified and all these other things, mm-hmm. but to get an animal mm-hmm. in its natural state is so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, it's, yeah, I could go on and on about that. One, but yes. Protein important, but quality protein is quality is important. more important. So, and you know, you can do, you know, you can use plant proteins and pair things like beans and rice and things to make a complete protein. You can certainly do those things, but you know, if you eat fish or eggs and you don't want to eat like poultry or red meat, that's cool. Like just find what your source is, but then make sure you're getting enough of it. It's, it's just so important. Yeah, I, I agree. How do you feel about um, protein shakes, protein powders that are good quality? Does that help women when they just don't feel like they're getting enough? I, I like it. I just actually had one before we hopped on this. <laughs> Me too. I, I really, I enjoy it because you can put so many things in it also. Some people will throw spinach and kale in it. Some people will put fruit in it. You can put tons of things in it. And I, when you find a, you know, a good quality, good, clean one, it's just a great way to kind of mix it up so that, and it feels like you can make it. I put mine in the blender with ice and I put a little chocolate, vital proteins, collagen powder in it. Maybe I shake a little instant coffee in mine and I make this concoction and it's like a milkshake and I love it. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's good. I'm getting some protein. It's just, changes it up a little bit. And if you're in a hurry, it's a great way to just, if you're in the car and you have young kids and you're like, I'll have women tell me they can't eat because they're always driving around. I'm like, 
keep your shaker cup, just have your dry ingredients in it. Yep. Add, you can, the little almond milks, if you want to use almond milk, you don't have to refrigerate them. Just keep it in the car with you, add it, add water, whatever it is, shake it up, drink it. If you're in a board meeting and you can't eat a meal in front of people, you know, you could drink, you would drink coffee or water. You could drink a protein. Right. So it's versatile. You can travel with it. It makes it, it makes it easy. Yeah. And there are lots like back to the quality. There's lots of good quality brands out there. I mean, you just look up grass-fed whey protein. You're going to find a lot of options and there's bone broth protein. That's good. I mean, there's so many options. So I'm, I'm with you. I think it's helpful. I mean, in fact, my husband and I were about to go on vacation and we're like, okay, we're going to bring our little baggies of protein powder. Cause mm -hmm. even on vacation when it's, you know, you're buying stuff at the grocery store for an Airbnb, sometimes it's nice to have your, what you normally have. And protein is a part of what we normally have when we're hungry to avoid the hanger, right? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely it's awesome. I'll make uh, when I travel. I'm like you. I I'll pack protein oats, so I'll do a scoop of mm -hmm. uh, oatmeal, and then I'll put my protein powder in it in the baggie, dry a little cinnamon, whatever else I want to add to it, and just squeeze the air out. And then I, I tuck them in my shaker cup. I can get five or six of them in there, and then I just throw it in my bag. But it's a great way you can always find hot water somewhere and just make some oatmeal. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. That's that's very doable for so many people. Um, that's super helpful. So while we're on the topic of you know protein, let's talk about muscle. And I noticed so you revealed your age earlier to me. I don't know if you have yet while we've been recording, but you have great muscle tone. How how can we do this over forty? How do we do it? Because it's hard. We're not we're not building. We're losing. Right. 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 And it's. And, you know, muscle, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, she's another one that's awesome because mm -hmm. she talks about, she has a, st a statement about how I think uh, muscle is the longevity muscle or something it like is, that. Yeah. But, you know, if you're, if you're a woman that has been in the gym and knows her way around the gym, you know, the, the, the best piece of advice I can give is you have to challenge your, you have to push yourself. And I'm, I say this all the time and you'll probably hear it all the time, but we are not, you will not get big and bulky and turn into a male bodybuilder. If you pick up a 20 pound dumbbell or a 30 pound dumbbell or get under a barbell and maybe do some, you know, squats or bicep curls, it's not going to happen. We just don't have that enough testosterone. We have a lot of testosterone, but not enough to turn ourselves into a man. So you have to challenge yourself because when you push the muscle to sort of break down and then it repairs itself. That's how it gets stronger. So I, I like to tell women, you've got to ditch the five pounders, pick up the 15s, pick up the 12s, pick up the 20s. Most women can handle 15 or 20 pound dumbbells. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you might be a little bit sore, but that's okay. <laughs> but you have to, you have to challenge yourself and you have to challenge your body so that as you build more muscle mass and you build a nice lean physique or it, it just keeps you metabolically active. Just meaning that yeah. your muscle is always churning and burning calories. Fat just sits there. So if you decide you want to take a rest day and you want to sit on the sofa and enjoy yourself and put your feet up, you might be like, Oh, I'm getting hungry. Why am I, I'm not doing anything. Why am I hungry? Well, that's your muscle mass working and you need to fuel it. So even on rest days and, and it's important. And if you're a woman that hasn't been doing much strength training, you know, maybe you're doing more yoga and Pilates and those things are awesome for joint mobility and staying flexible, which I love, but you want to get into the gym. I would say a, a minimum of twice a week, three times would be great. 
and start lifting some weights. And if you're not sure what to do, you know, hire a trainer, find somebody good, maybe somebody in your gym, you can contact me or you can, you know, there's a lot of online things, but you just want to make sure that your form is good if you're doing certain movements. Mm. But, you know, definitely adding strength training. Plus it, it just makes you feel good. There's, there's a high that comes from it that when you walk out after a hard leg workout or, you know, you're sweating and you're like, oh, that feels really good. Or you like, now you're starting to see, you like how your arms look when you put a sleeveless shirt on or people start to comment. It's that's, you know, that's, that's fun. It should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think so many women, and I've talked about this on the show before. So listeners, you're probably sick of me hearing it, but I spent a good portion of my twenties and thirties doing cardio because I thought, well, that's what makes you skinny. Right. right. <laughs> and it's well, and also there's, there's a high you get of the movement and the fast pace, which right. I have realized later, that's just kind of me burning out my stress chemicals. <laughs> and it was probably more of a stressor than something that was supporting me. And so that's something I wish I had known a long time ago is I could have been strength training. And that's mm-hmm. something that I only recently added in. And it feels weird at first, you know, and I've always done yoga, which is, I guess, right. like said, flexibility, functional body yeah, weight, whatever. It helps you but, relax. It's, you know, there's yes. a lot of good benefits to it. Yes. But strength training has a big role in how we do health wise as we age. I mean, because of the muscle. Exactly. And then that's where eating enough protein comes in too, because now you're giving your body the building blocks to build that muscle, which is crucial as we get older, because I don't want to be on a walker. I'm sure you don't want to be on a Mm -hmm. walker. I want to be able to bend down and pick something up. And that's like a squat movement. Or if you have to reach for something, that's maybe that's a hip, a hip hinge movement, more Mm -hmm. of like a, a deadlift movement. So those are things that we want to learn so that it's not like, oh, you bent over to pick something up and you rounded your back and now you pulled something on the way up and you're like, oh, my back is killing me. And, you know, you learn how to squat down and use your leg muscles to bring you down. Or if you have to reach for something, how to sort of keep your back flat as you reach for something and brace yourself and build your core muscles. It's it's so key to how we age when we see people hunched over and mm-hmm. kind of needing people to help them. and. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. My motivation when I'm exercising is I want to be able to travel when my kids are grown and I want to be able to walk for miles and miles and miles. And I want to be able to pick up my grandbabies and get up and down from the floor because my third baby I had when I was 35. So who knows when I'm going to be a grandma. And so I want to start preparing (laughs) for that now, you know, and be ready to not be sore, not be able to get up off the floor when I'm older. And the great thing about that too, is I try to instill on, on my, some of my younger clients that have smaller kids. If, if sometimes if they say, well, I'm, I'm so busy, I'm too stressed. I don't have time to, you know, eat or do this or do that. But I always tell them this, you know, your kids, anybody that's a mom that's listening knows kids are little sponges and we think, oh, they don't, they're not noticing. They don't, they don't know <laughs> They know everything. Mm -hmm. They know everything from a small age. They watch what we do. They mimic what we do and they take on our characteristics or how we react to things. Like they, they just absorb what we do. And I always tell them, especially if you have daughters, your daughters are going to watch you. And if they see mom taking care of herself, they see mom stopping to sit down and eat something healthy or, you know, mom's drinking water, or there are not a lot of, sugary processed foods, snack things in the house. The kids are eating fruit for snacks or, you know, other things that are, that are better for them. Nuts, maybe Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. like that. 
they'll grow up like that's going to become their their baseline because they're going to say you know we always took care of ourselves in my home my mom took care of my mom exercised my mom lifted weights I'm going to do that. I want to do that. Or how many little kids want to exercise with their mom? Like my kids would be like that. I'd be downstairs doing stuff and they'd be on the floor trying to do push-ups or whatever. It was always very cute. But, but now, you know, both of my children, I have a 22 year old son who was a baseball player. He's in college. My daughter's a basketball player. She's 19, but they both love being in the gym. They work out her more than him, but I'm hoping he'll come back around. But, (laughs) you know, she'll say things like mom, I love being in the gym and just, I want to have muscle like you. I want to look like you when I'm your age or, and those are really nice things to hear. So the motivation, I always try to say, look, your kids are watching you. So the things that you do, they're going to do. So how do you, do you want your kids to be healthy when they grow up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course. Well then you need to show them how to do it. So that's, that's key. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important, like you said, whether it's movement that we're actively engaged in or the food that we have around the house that we're consuming. And with that, I think it's a good segue to talk about alcohol consumption because I just read, I don't know if you've seen this, the reports on binge drinking, just skyrocketing in people in their thirties to fifties. And I just, I think about growing up, you know, I was in high school, middle school, high school in the nineties. I don't remember the adults around me drinking a lot of alcohol, but that all shifted (laughs) at some point to where it's like every single event, social drinking is a big thing. How is that hurting us as we age? It's, it's definitely a big thing. And it's always interesting too how women that are in, that are my age, 50 somethings will say, well, I'm I'm going, I have to have a drink or people wonder or ask, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I always say to them, like, are you a grown up? Are you a grown up? Like, I tell them like get Pellegrino. I do Pellegrino in a wine glass with lime. I'm like, nobody knows what it is. It could be a gin and tonic. It could be a vodka. This who's going to know, put some little cranberry juice in it. If you really feel like you want it to look, I mean, who's, are they going to taste your drink? I mean, how are they going to know? But alcohol is just for us as women, especially as we age, it affects estrogen in the sense that our liver has to stop detoxifying the estrogen in our system that we get rid of that starts to pile up because your liver stops doing that to get rid of the alcohol in your blood. So now if you're someone who drinks every day, a couple drinks a day, or maybe it's more on the weekends, you party Friday and Saturday, but you know, you're affecting that and that estrogen that starts to pile up, that's what can start to cause cancer problems and health risks. And that's when it becomes an issue. And Plus it just, it doesn't do anything good for us. If you drink before bed, it's going to give you hot night sweats, hot flashes, it's going to mess up your sleep. It may help you fall asleep. But I know whenever I would, when in the past, I used to drink wine at night and I would fall asleep and I'd wake up like, oh my God, and I'd be wide awake and I couldn't get back to sleep. So it's, I always encourage women to stop, but if they can't stop, at least let's, let's incrementally start to like pull it back. Like maybe it's a glass of wine on the Friday night and Saturday night or, or whatever it is. Or if you're going to an event, maybe it's one drink and then you switch to Pellegrino or something. Like I try to get them, work with them a little bit. And I know since COVID too, people started drinking way more than- So much, yeah. So that is an issue too. And then that just puts on excess weight. It makes you feel lethargic. Your skin dries out. I tell women, mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you're going to age a lot faster because that alcohol is just drying out your skin. So mm-hmm. it's- I feel like, you know, we did all that in our twenties and thirty somethings. Now it's kind of time to focus on something different, which is anti-aging and thinking about how you want to go down 
how you want to go down the aging process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, the research on, I think it's Dr. Daniel Amen, who's been talking a lot about how it's, how it shrinks the brain and there's really no level that's safe. And I was a wine drinker for so long. And I really, it's so funny. I was just talking to a few friends of mine who are similar age, similar stages of life, but of course, everybody's in a different stage hormonally because perimenopause is very individual, but we have, we all agreed that we can't drink wine anymore, even just a little bit. I will now I'll have a little, if I'm having like a really fancy meal, right. And a nice glass of, you know, Cabernet red wine or whatever it, it feels like it goes well with that. Okay. Maybe a little bit, but you know how a lot of women get into that habit of right before bed, drinking two or three glasses of wine. No, 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 no. That is a, like you said, a nightmare for sleep. You're going to wake up the next day feeling horrible. And then the mood changes. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. And it takes longer. I mean, you probably remember like in your twenties, if you go out with friends and you had a few drinks and you get to bed at like two in the morning and you could get up at like nine or 10 and just be pretty functional. You know, you get up, start doing whatever you need to do, go to work, whatever. But you know, as you get like late thirties, forties, like you don't recover the weight as fast Mm -hmm. as you used to. It's a slower recovery. It may, you might have a whole day where you're like, Oh my God, I feel terrible. I got this headache. I just can't Mm -hmm. function. I'm exhausted. So, you know, that's a sign too. It's like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Yeah. And and it might be something to shift to go, okay, maybe this is a special occasion only thing. Like I said, my right. nice Christmas dinner with my right. glass of red wine, right. Or Thanksgiving. My, I, my dad is all into the fancy wine, so I'm not going to turn down my dad's wine. So, you know, but it's just, I know me and that, and that goes into, and how maybe this is a great question to ask you, like how important is it to be self-aware of these little changes that we're noticing? It, it's really important because sometimes the little changes will add up to start it to something big that could be prevented, which is, which is really important. And especially as our hormones start to get less and, you know, if you're thinking about doing like, you know, people get nervous when you talk about hormone replacement therapy, the first thing you always hear is, well, that causes cancer. So I'm not sure that's what I want to do, but that has been debunked. There's a lot of scientific data now just to show that that's not the case. But other things that we're doing can cause cancers and things like that. Sure. So not eating enough of the right proteins, not moving, staying sedentary. They're saying that sitting is like the worst, even can totally. even be worth smoking at this point. Mm-hmm. And people will sit at a desk for hours, five, six, seven hours and not really get up much. Mm-hmm. And then water intake too, like you've got to hydrate your body. So, I mean, alcohol is a diuretic and it's going to yep. drain water. Coffee, caffeine is a diuretic. Mm-hmm. Caffeine is one of those things where, you know, it goes back and forth where it's good for you. It's not good for you. But I think, <laughs> right. I think now they're saying that it can be, you know, the, the right coffee is again, it's got to be organic and mm-hmm. all that, but you know, it can be good for the brain. So the caffeine can stimulate that, which is great, but maybe too much of a good thing too. You know, it can dry you out. You've got to drink enough water and, and just, it gets to a point where there's no, you, there's really no choice. Like you really have to live a certain way. And if someone's not accustomed to it, when I get a woman that hasn't really been doing many of these things at all, it can be a, a tough learning curve, but when you can get someone to just make like one change at a time, like maybe we pull the alcohol back and just let's, let's eat a little bit better or let's make sure you're getting two liters of water every day 
or try to not go to bed at 11, maybe try to get into bed at 10, pull mm-hmm. it back out. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that with our kids when they were smaller and you wanted them to go to bed earlier. <laughs> you just like 15 minutes earlier, 15 minutes until they were going to bed at the time that you wanted them to get to sleep at. But it's just, you know, we're the same way. We're the same animal. We're just older, but it's, it's all important improvements that we have to make to live, to live healthier, feel yeah. better. You know, everybody, yes. you know, people will say, Oh, I'm just getting old. It's just the way it is. I got aches right. and pains. I got this, I got that. And I'm like, I call BS. I'm like, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's because you're not, you're not doing enough of the right things. You're not pushing yourself into that. It's uncomfortable, but once you get into a rhythm with it, it'll become just like brushing your teeth. Yeah. 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 And the other thing that I hear a common complaint of is, is the anxiety creeping up right. and the mental health concerns. So a lot of these things are connected. And so what do you say about, about that and how women are increasingly more anxious? Yes. <laughs> and I see that too. It's, it's amazing. Cause you see it in kids too, which is kind of sad mm-hmm. because so many kids are anxious and, and unsure and they're in college mm-hmm. and they're having a hard time. And it's, it really comes down to you've it's, it's amazing, Aaron, how everything, like every thing you could think of really just funnels back down to you have to eat right. You have to exercise. You got to get sleep and drink water. Like it's really every, every ailment, like think about it, like to prevent things like every doctor, any guru you've listened to, right. Dr. Atiyah, Dr. Godfrey, Dr. Hyman, Dr. Bland, you can name them all. And they all talk about Alzheimer, dementia, this, that, that, that. it always comes down to, you got to get some exercise. You got to move. You, even if it's walking, you've got to eat right. You've got to this, you've got to that. And, and that, and that really will help alleviate, I believe a lot of anxiety too, because sometimes it's the processed food and the sugars and the dyes and the food colorings that are in a lot of the foods that people are eating, you know, crackers have high fructose corn. Mm-hmm. Everything has high fructose corn syrup. I'm a huge mm-hmm. advocate of telling people, look at labels, you pick something up, Look at even almond milk. I did a post on almond milk, Mm -hmm. all the fillers and the gums and all the stuff that's in (laughs) almond milk. And and you think that's a health food. Now there's a comp, there are two companies that make, look at the ingredients. It's, it's almond salt and water. That's it. No carrageenan, no soy lecithin, none of that stuff, guar gum, any of that. So I, I really believe it's, it's what we put in is how our body will react Yeah. Yeah. And artificial sweeteners is another one that leads to anxiety. And so I always have to touch on that because I, I was a diet Coke girl for a long time and, and that's just, it's not putting anything recognizable into the body. And so, yeah. So making those small changes and seeing, I think it's important to, while, you know, there are a lot of labels out there for anxiety, for depression, and lots of people getting diagnosed, even like with adult ADHD. And I think the labels can be relieving in a lot of ways, but I think it's also a good signal to dig deeper, to look at what is causing this, what's at the root, because all of those diagnoses are really just giving us the name to a set of symptoms. You know, even if you look at it in the DSM, you know, where they make the diagnoses, (laughs) it's you have this symptom, this symptom, this symptom here, there you go. Welcome to the world of anxiety. And it's like, well, yeah, well, I know I have anxiety, but what do I do about it? And so it's, identifying what is missing. A lot of times it's what's missing from my life of all those things you just mentioned, what is missing? What could I be adding in? Or if it's food, what could I be taking out that my body's like, "Er, I don't really know if this is real food or not. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, our food supply is just, it's so sad what it's become. Like you've, like I said, you've got to look at labels. Even if you think something's a health food, like you can buy <laughs> pre-prepared smoothies or green drinks or whatever, yeah. well, how much sugar is in it? Like I always tell my mm-hmm. clients, go right down to the carbohydrate on the label, look at the mm-hmm. carb number and then, okay. So if it's 50 grams of carbs, say underneath it, it'll say sugar, fiber, sugar, whatever. What's the sugar number. If the sugar number is like, 12, 15, 20, 30, what I'm like, it's too much. It's, mm-hmm. it's too much sugar. And that's just going to cause a whole bunch of problems, health problems, how you feel, how you react. And you've got to be able to look at a label and, and say, yeah, this is probably not the best thing. I'll, I'll go home and juice my own thing or, or eat some fruit. So you get the fiber with it and, and all the vitamins and the nutrients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me, how can people work with you and join your midlife mastery program and, and all of that? The best way is to just hit my website. It's Linda M. Stevens and Stevens is with a PH. So it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, Linda M. Stevens.com. I have a little calendar that'll pop up and they can book a complimentary call with me. And then my Instagram account is at Linda Stevens fit F-I-T. So those are the two easiest ways to either message me on Insta or hit my website. I either way I see it, but yeah. Awesome. Now my last question is my favorite question to ask. And that is, you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? I would say I'm really big on, on like mindfulness and practicing, practicing gratitude. I think it's a great place. And I do this every night and every morning you know, if you are, if you believe in God or you're very religious or you're spiritual, whatever it is, but I always say thank you at the end of the day. And when I wake up, it's like, thank you for another day on the planet. And thank you that I made it through another day on the planet. And, you know, and then I I like to count my blessings, my children, my family, you know, running a great business, having great clients, just in, you know, being able to be a voice for people. But I really believe looking at what you have and being appreciative of what you have just makes you see things differently. When you start to spiral out of control, if you see mm-hmm. stuff on social, social media is such a big anxiety thing for even adults, not just kids. But I think when you start to feel like that, just sit down for a second, right. And just say, I have food, clothing, shelter. I'm safe. People love me. People are concerned about me. Mel Robbins is huge on that. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Mel and I get a lot of that from her, but I think, I think that really helps keep you grounded when you just can look around and go, you know what? I know I'm dealing with this, but I'm so grateful for all of this. And that this outweighs that and I'll, I'll manage that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. That's so, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great. Um, yeah. You have such a passion for this and I know this is an important topic at any age. So if you are in your twenties and you made it this far, yay, that's amazing. If you're in your thirties and you made it this far, do these things that we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, 20s too, but yeah, yeah. It just sets you up for a better, for a better lifespan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for being on the show and taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.